My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestling, promotion, manager, or platform, and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. What it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. He's probably the most podcasted man in human history, at least on my channel, my very first ever guest, probably my favorite guest, and my all-round good friend. It is the smash fucking hit, Joel Bateman, coming to Perth very soon. I'm very excited. How are you today, my man? I'm also... The level of tiredness in my voice doesn't convey <laughs> you the look excitement. So exhausted. Oh, I'm fucking wrecked, man. Yeah, yeah. But um very, very excited to uh, come over your neck of the woods for a change and uh, come over to Western Australia. I haven't been to Perth in oh it'll be seven, eight years now. Yeah, wow. So and, and that wasn't even to wrestle. So um I haven't wrestled in Perth in well over a decade. So very, very excited to come to town and just see everyone um, face-to-face for a change, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you said you've got some family over here. I think you, you told me you're going to be hanging out with some family on the Saturday before the show and stuff. Yeah, so mum lives there at the moment. Mum used to live in Bali, um, which is in Indonesia, for those of you who don't live in Australia, because Bali is the only holiday destination that <laughs> white people go to here. Um, right. So, <laughs> um, she was running an Airbnb in Bali, and then um, when the pandemic hit, there was no tourism, so she ended up moving to Perth. So, yeah, um, I get to see mum, which is great. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Have you ever been over to the Bali and seen her stuff the over Bali. there? The Bali. Um, yeah, the yeah, Bali. I got, yeah. I got to go once when I was working as a travel agent. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't really like it. Yeah. No, not my scene. Nah. It's not my um, scene. I'd rather pay more money for better beer. Mm-hmm. This is fair. Like you can't. Uh, I know no Joel Bateman not existing on Bintang, like alive. I, oh, I mean, I did, but I had to drink like thirty of them. <laughs> exactly. Got okay. that. Not exactly the strength that you're used to. Correct. Which is again why I'm looking forward to coming over to Perth. I have a list of breweries to go and visit. I'm sure. I, uh, may I recommend? And I'm drinking it right now. Is Impy. Uh, they're based over in Wangara. They've got like a you know a tap room off their their brewery and stuff. And I'm drinking their hazy IPA, and it is delicious. Thank you to my friend. Whereabouts Kate is their Whereabouts is their brewery? Uh, right near my workplace in Wangara. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to need a map because I don't know any of the suburbs. That's okay. Uh, maybe we'll have. Maybe we can have <laughs> lunch on Saturday. You can come over and see my music store, and we'll duck over for a, a cheeky. Hell yeah! Sounds yeah. good. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. 
I, I'm, I'm very impressed that the uh, this is an audio medium, so everything yeah. we're talking about is completely mm-hmm. fucking irrelevant. But um, I'm very impressed with the crafted glass you've got. I've actually got a full set in my in my glass cabinet out there as well. So. They're, they're great, and we we won them in like an auction. So we do this like quiz every year. Um, it's for like it's like cycling for for cancer and stuff like that. And they do like big uh, silent auctions when you're there. And there was a, an auction where you win, where you could win like the full set, you know, like the big tall ones, the can shape like this, all the different shapes and sizes. And we won that auction. I was stoked because I wanted them so bad. Right. And I, I'm quite sure we got like a killer deal on them as well. But yes. um, oh, I hope so anyway. Either that or I paid drastically over market value, but I was drunk enough to feel like it was a massive win. So <laughs> who cares, right? That's always the way. Yeah, we divided by, it was between friends and stuff. So I made sure I got these ones, which are the the ones that you can see now. It looks like a beer can, but it's like a beautifully crafted glass. And then I got the tall, kind of what you'd pour an IPA into or whatever, you know, like a tall goblet style one yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, which is really nice. Anyway, beer glasses and stuff aside, we haven't been on this in quite a while. A lot has happened uh, since we last hung out. I think your last episode with me was Joel Bateman Takes Flight, the infamous C-bomb episode, uh, where we changed a lot of American uh, listeners' vocabularies for life. And um, <laughs> Yeah, I barely remember. That was before the first tour, wasn't it? Yeah, that's probably still one of my favourite episodes because it's constantly referenced to me by the likes of uh, Alex from Vinyls and Violence and... Uh, NHL legend Darren McCarty. <laughs> so. Yeah, I I, uh, I miss D Mac so much. I haven't seen him in months now, and yeah. I, uh, I I'm absolutely chomping at the bit to see him in person again. Yeah, and all of our American friends. But um, yeah, so a little bit happened. <laughs> One or two things in the three US tours and two New Zealand tours that have happened since we spoke. Yeah, well, well we were um, talking about you literally stealing the ICW American Deathmatch title, but then you actually just won it like a couple of times. Won it, lost it, won it back, bought it back here, Yeah, wrestled with it a bunch, took it to New Zealand, wrestled with it a bunch, went back and lost it. So. Yeah. You've kind of been, like when we spoke, it was like, I'm finally going to America. And then you've been there like a bunch of times since then and New Zealand and run tournaments. Oh, I'm, pra- I'm, pra- I'm practically a citizen there, yeah. Basically um, live there now. It's It's been – I didn't think 2022 was going to be that kind of year. And then I was like, I'll go and do one tour mm-hmm. and we'll see how it is. And everything went better than perfect. And got to meet some amazing people, make some amazing connections. And, you know, people I, I met on that first tour, I consider family now. And, you know, we talk every fucking sure. day. So, um, and then they're like, do you want to come back? I was like, oh, yeah, all right, I will. Mm-hmm. And then that was insane. And then ended up leaving the United States with the American Deathmatch title. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm coming back at least one more time. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and now... Back home, focusing on, you know, these shores for a little bit. Yeah. Um, as, uh, sadly, our recession makes international travel more and more difficult. Um, again, like, we just got out of a pandemic. Now no one can fucking afford to go anywhere. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it, it's been crazy. Like, DMDU was super crazy towards the end of last year. We're, we're sure. just starting to come kind of back out of hibernation because we all needed a giant nap after the ICW tour. Yeah. Um, that some of us still haven't recovered from me. Um, I don't think I'll ever recover from that. I think I'm just permanently tired now. I, I know this feeling. Tour. My first uh, tour of Japan with my friends did that to me, and I felt like I've never been the same since. We drank so much <laughs> and slept so little 
that I just feel like I've never ever been rested again. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> it. I, I lost permanent life points. Yeah, like, I can only yeah, ever get up right. to like the health bar is permanently depleted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's uh, it's been absolutely amazing. I can't overstate how cool it's been. And again, like the people that I consider family now, mm-hmm. I didn't even know in person twelve months ago. And it's it's just been a fucking wild ride in this year. If uh, last year's any indication, it's going to be exactly the same. So yeah. that's that's awesome, man. I mean, you you wanted it for so long, like, and and worked so hard at it, and trying to make it a thing in Australia. So it's so awesome to see it come to fruition. And then, like, from my point of view, like leaving my fucking spare room that you see me in now, you know, in my cupboard, and flying over to Melbourne and you know, meeting everybody in person. Obviously, I, I'd met the DMDU crew at the Spider show, you know, earlier. Um, mm. But then coming over to ICW and, and meeting all my friends there, you know, that I've been doing interviews with and talking to regularly and stuff in person was just crazy. And what, like, an amazing four days that we all had. Like, the, just this – there was this glow over all the shows of just, like, friendship and – like love and like excitement and yeah, it was just such a, I, I've never done anything like it. And I think it's probably maybe my favorite trip I've ever had. Cause it was, oh, it was fucking awesome, dude. I've spoken to everyone who was on that kind of those four shows and especially the Sunday. Yeah. The Sunday was the one for me, like the amount Same. of love in that room after the main event. Yeah. Like we got to, we got to have some fun after the Saturday show in the ring where we're, you know, going back and forth and shouting at each other and, you know, had ICW on the stage and us in the ring. Yeah. That was fun. But on the Sunday when it was the all together show and everybody got in the ring together, just like, I don't think I've cried that much in my life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I just happy cried at everybody and, and, and some of the uh, levels of emotion that everybody got to feel that day. Um. I think will sustain us in the the darkest of times for many, many, many moons to come. Sure. When I when I'm having a bad day, and you know the last couple of weeks haven't been the greatest. Like when I'm having a rough time, there, there's, there's specific moments from that tour. Um, you know, it's the ember you can blow on when you're having a bad day that kind of just puts that smile on yeah. your face. You're like, you know, life could be bad, but fuck me, like yeah. life could be that good yeah. um it was just unbelievable like it, it's something that i wish more people were there for because i don't think <laughs> i don't even know if i'll ever be able to replicate it yeah that particular feeling i don't know if i want to ever replicate it because it was so special um yeah it's uh it, it's probably my fondest memory in wrestling so far yeah it, yeah, it was it was unbelievable man like it, it really was from the from the first moment, like when we all go, like everybody was lining up outside the building and there was like a super, you know, nice vibe about it. You know, everyone was feeling real good. But then, you know, when you and Daddy were in the ring and, you know, we started with the deathmatch wrestling chant instead of ICW and just the whole show went off the way it did. It was just the perfect venue for it, the, the perfect crowd. Everybody was so positive. It was just a perfect event, I think, in, in my mind. Like it was, yeah. yeah the best wrestling show I've ever seen. And I've been to, you know, Japan, I've been to Wrestle Kingdoms, I've been in the Tokyo Dome, I've done all this stuff, but I've never had a more special day than that day, I think. <laughs> There's so many little side stories that I can't tell on air that I'll tell you when I see you in person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. About that weekend. <laughs> I'm sure. And I'm sure I've got a few that maybe I, I uh, know from different points of view. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I can I can tell you some of, uh, some of my sort of fun stories uh, of like arriving there because like, the first day, you know, I get to the 
the pit fighter show and we don't know where we are, you know, we catch a taxi. For the record, we had a an accommodation like two doors down from the fucking arrow or where everything was gonna be. And then yeah. uh, then everything got moved. <laughs> we're like, God damn it, we were in like the most ultimate hotel of all time. But it was fine. It wasn't hard like to get over there and stuff. And we rolled oh, except for the fact that, you know, half of Melbourne flooded the day before. Oh yeah, there was the extensive flooding. There was that. But you know what? I didn't even really see it. I saw it on the news, but it didn't impact my like trip in any way. And people were like, are you sure you want to fly over there? I think uh, it's underwater now. And I was like, mm, I'm going anyway, so we'll find out. I'm like, Joel will put it in a treehouse if he has to. And yes. then uh, it was it was all good. And that venue, like where we where the pit fighter was, like was so cool. It's like this outdoor pleasure garden type vibe. And I was sitting right on the cage door. And yeah, it was it was killer to like sit that close at pit fighter and. So my friends going, you know, in and out and slapping them on the back and having them hug me and stuff. And so on. And I was like, this it doesn't get much better than this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I've got a piece of uh, the first terracotta pot signed by Casey Kirk uh, that, <laughs> you know, from her match with Eric Wright. I grabbed a piece and I was like, I need you to sign this because I feel like it's going to be a thing. And then he went on to use it every day forever. Well, he's still using it now. Exactly so, yeah, right. Uh, and that started absolutely here. absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And then um, and the the two shows at the, the what's it, Bar for the East or oh, the East? The East, yeah, the Beast. The East, yeah, which was cool. They had like a burger shop underneath. I rock up and everyone's like, there's a Joel Bateman burger. I was like, that's pretty cool. And Danny's like, forget the Joel Bateman burger. You need to have this. It's a holy Jesus. And it's like this cheeseburger with like mac and cheese and stuff in it. And I'm like... If Danny Demato says this is the burger, I'm gonna I'm gonna try, it. and it was amazing. He can't be eating stuff like that. His stomach's destroyed. <laughs> well, he did, and he seemed to really enjoy it. And then what was amazing was my uh, friend. He works for a brewery over in Melbourne. Will remain nameless, uh, but he lives uh, not too far from there or whatever. And he had a bunch of cold beers kind of waiting. So like between the shows, we were just like drinking on the street, you know, like. <laughs> out the van and stuff and then then like the whole big night it was just yeah it was magical man the whole, the whole it, time it, it felt like an american it honestly it felt like authentic icw like fans out the front tailgating yep. and just everyone mingling and having a good time and no one was being a wanker and it was just yep. like it was the best yep. just the best Exactly. That, and that's the vibe I've been looking for for my whole fucking life. Like from the moment, like, you know, growing up a wrestling fan and getting out of WWE and, you know, and all the different things. And then when I first saw that, you know, Casanova Valentine Vice documentary, you know, I'd, I'd seen death matches and stuff in Japan and started getting into it. But once I saw Vice and saw like the no ring death matches in the bar with Cass all that stuff. I was like, this is the fucking shit that I want to see. Like, this is mm-hmm. the the things I want to go to. I want to see bands. I want to see fights on the floor. I like, this is, this would be perfect if this existed. And then when, you know, you and Cass announced those shows all those years ago before the world fucking ended and I first reached out to Cass and then. Fuck, you know, that feels like 10 years ago. It does. It? it does, right? But that that's how this all started. And it's crazy now like to see how far it's all come, right? Right, exactly, exactly right. Like we were, we were able to not just take, I guess, myself over to the US, but we got to take the Australian brand of deathmatch wrestling, yeah, o- over there because you know we do things a little differently here. And you know, on the on the last tour, York and Samson joining me was uh, sure. again one of the coolest fucking things in the world, mm-hmm. and and taking our brand there and everyone 
like finding out that they do watch what we do on the other side of the world. We are completely invisible. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, that is largely thanks to people like yourself, just kind of, you know, ke- keeping the name out there because, you know, damn to you up until last week, hadn't had a show in fucking four months. Um, so, so just keep keeping everyone abreast of what we're doing. And then, you know, more and more people, I guess, are taking a punt on this genre of wrestling. Wrestling is so pre, 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 uh, naturally stupid, yeah. um, a, as an art form, like, Wrestling can be whatever you want it to be, um, as long as long as you do the due diligence to respect the art form overall, similar yep. to music. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that more and more people are going, oh yeah, you know, like we'll, we'll throw a death match on this show, we'll build to a death match. Hey, yep. we'll use light tubes when we wouldn't normally use light tubes. Or hey, you know, we like this pit fighter concept. We're going to run a you know a no ring cage show, yeah. Um, you know, in a different part of the country and kind of expose our audience to it. And you know, for good or bad, the the audience is there too. And then yeah, you know, um being able to, to work towards Sunday, you know, Perth has such a rich history of wrestling and almost acts as its own territory. Um, but have got, you know, if you, if you have to kind of line up the, uh, the starting lineup for the best exports out of Australia ever, Perth's more or less got it, got it, you know, made. Um, and just the pedigree of wrestlers and wrestling there is so incredible. Like, I was always so thrilled and honoured to be able to come and wrestle in Perth the times that I have to be able to kind of have a come full circle and be like, right, we get to do death matches in Perth yeah. for the first time um, in 2023. You know, we're still kind of breaking down barriers and setting records and all that kind of stuff. And from all reports, like, it's going to be something completely different to what Western Australian wrestling's ever seen. Yeah. The house is looking really competitive to, to shows with wrestling rings. For like a Sunday night in Perth where nobody buys tickets in advance, somehow this thing is selling and it is going to oh, be a good time. Be, I would not be surprised if this show sells out. Yeah. I, th- I think by the time it's done and everybody rocks up on the night and, oh, you guys are going there too and stuff like that, I, I think I think the numbers that like Michelle was hoping for, I think everything's going to come to pass. I feel like yeah. it's going to be really awesome. We're, we're, we're in an iconic venue. We have a really eclectic, super passionate roster from all corners of WA wrestling with global experience. Mm-hmm. Um, look at the resumes of Aaron O'Malley and Hayden Zenith if you think we're of all course. fucking macho dickheads. Yeah, like, exactly. Um, do you know what I mean? On a Sunday when, you know, Sunday was the holy day and wrestling could never draw in this country on a Sunday ever. Um, and the fact there's no fucking wrestling ring. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's crazy, and it's going to be awesome, and the bands that are playing are both awesome. They're playing they're playing a big part in this too, I feel like, but they're like the perfect vibe that we want for that kind of thing to, you know, set everybody's mood, the beers start pouring, everybody's jamming out to that kind of stuff, and then there's some good old-fashioned violence. I think it's going to be a good fucking time. I'm so pissed off I'm on last because it's going to be fucking 35 degrees, and I'm going to really want a beer. Yeah. But I'm going to have to wait till like 11 o'clock. Oh, that's <laughs> That's bullshit. Like, yeah, you surely can have a beer. That'll be okay. You just. Oh, I might have a couple. A couple. Okay. I'll have, look, I'll have one with lunch because you know there, there's hops in beer, so that that's a salad practically. Yeah, it's carbs and uh, energy for yeah. your match. That's it, and then yeah, just one to settle the nerves, and then we'll be good. And then like fifteen afterwards. <laughs> That's what's up, and then and then my flights are like eight a.m. Yeah, exactly. We've all that, that's the only downside is it's not like a public holiday the next day because everybody's got work, everyone's got flights, you know, all that kind of. Yeah, stuff. well, with the time difference, I like I wanted to get back here and because I've taken the day off work to kind of relax a little bit, but uh-huh. I don't fucking land till like three o'clock. I was like, oh. 
<laughs> have a bit of a sleep in here. So um, before, we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit more in a sec, but I wanted to touch base on DMDU's progress with the 311 Arena. So I it's something that I really wanted to see come to pass. I felt real passionate about seeing you guys like achieve that goal. And and it's happening. Like you guys have got the keys now, or, or about to have them. Is fit out happening? Where, where I'm are we at? Fucking, I'm fucking staring at them. Like you oh. know what I mean? They're they're they're, they're within arm's reach. Not not uh, physically, metaphorically. Yeah. Um, I'm just waiting on the last couple of pieces of paperwork to come through and be signed by all the relevant parties. Amazing. Um, poor decisions two is still on track for next Sunday. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a week from Sunday, so uh, I, I originally wanted to be in there a couple of weeks ago, but just paperwork hold up some bullshit. Yeah, um, that's why we kind of took the punt on PD two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got every faith that we'll be in there. Hopefully, I get back from Perth and be able to swing straight past there, pick the keys up. That'd be um, amazing. Yeah, all going well, but it's uh, I it's a, a, as big or bigger an undertaking that I've ever, I guess, attempted. Yeah. Um, both on a personal and a professional level. Sure. And there's lots of things that I don't know. And I guess, you know, with being in wrestling as long as I have and people running training schools and events and venues and stuff, uh, taking a lot of what they do for granted. Um, so I've got, I guess, a, a deeper measure of respect for those guys now, knowing what the how much fucking effort it takes. Um, but, yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't been a smooth or an easy road by, by any stretch of the imagination, but we're... 99.8% of the way fucking there. Yeah. It's so close now and, like, that's got to be a dream realised, right? Like, to, to have a home base for you guys is so huge. I just want to get all the lights out of my fucking garage. Um, <laughs> when you were, you told me that story where you, like, had the earthquake tremors and you're like, oh, wait, I have a fucking garage full of light tubes. <laughs> oh, shit. like a thousand light tubes there. Um... Yeah, so it, it, it is a dream realised, but the thing is, like, the list of stuff to do to get in the door is, you know, two pages long, and the list of stuff I want to do once we're in the door is 15 pages long. I like the, the um, every year I set a list of realistic and unrealistic goals, and then I've kind of done that with the arena as well. And even the realistic goals list is fucking, you know, like Jericho's 1,004 holes long, <laughs> let alone the ridiculous shit that I never think I'll pull off. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely it is, man. And it, and it must be so great as well, like, to turn around and, like, look at the the community, you know, of supporters and fans and stuff like that and everything they've thrown in. They really believe in what you guys have done, you know? Like, that's really awesome. Like, you, this is, all these supporters who are like, we want to see this happen. And that's just hum- so cool. It's humbling. Humbling yeah. to the point of imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> When we, and I tell the story every time I said when we started DMDU, we thought it would be our own little vanity project that maybe fifty people would turn up to. Yeah, you know. Um, and now through hard work from amazing people and good graces and trying to build a good community, you know, we've got people all over the world that watch what we do, and you know, everyone kind of lifted together to, to pull this arena off, sure. and then off to the races we go, you know, like if we want to do two deathmatch tournaments in a year, we can. If we want to do Juice is Worth the Squeeze 2, which was the most chaotic thing I'd done up until that point, we can. If we want to do a, uh, and when Hawker listens to this, he'll have a fucking conniption because this is the first time I've said it in a public forum. If we want to do a Cybernetico, we can. Uh, 
you and Hawko and your stupid ideas. We've obviously covered that on the show as well. But I remember sitting at a bar with you guys, and you guys were spouting some bullshit, some absolute TNA '90s fucking gimmick. Insanity, like it was. Oh, that yeah. particular gimmick. The yeah. mask is in the bag. Uh, I've, I've made the mask, and it's just out of shot. That's okay. People got to hear the the theme song for that gimmick. That's yeah, oh, good. Yeah, hey Jude. Yeah, it's still gonna happen. Yeah, um, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, does does all, hey Jude make a run in on Sunday? <laughs> potentially, yes. Uh, no, the baseball jersey hasn't shown up yet. Oh. Um, yeah, so the uh, the world is our oyster. I we we did a bit of math the other the other week there is now 15 active wrestling promotions in victoria wow 15 but there is only three saturdays three sundays and three fridays a month sure so there's four companies who either are going to clash or hopefully and it, it it was never i guess a pipe dream but it's now i guess much closer than i initially realized that melbourne could really become like a, a tokyo or a new jersey where or, or more so the northeast of the US, where like you could go and see live wrestling five nights a week if you so chose. Yeah. Promotions may vary, crowd numbers may vary, quality may vary, but that's how we all get closer to that um, elusive making a living being a professional wrestler. Sure. Is by able to perform multiple nights a week and get paid to do so. Mm-hmm. And for some people that's their dream, and other people, you know, have a, have different career paths. Uh, and have set themselves up in certain ways. But, yeah, like, that that's kind of my goal with the 3011 Arena. Like, if someone comes in town and goes, well, what's on? It's like, oh, it's Tuesday night. There's nothing on in Melbourne. Well, you want to go see some wrestling? Yeah, we'll go see some wrestling. Oh, look, there's a, you know, Lucha Libre show on and the entire Carter's Trios matches. All right, yeah. cool. 20, 20 bucks, a couple of cans of beer. Sick. Sounds yeah. like fun. Why not? And that then becomes quintessentially Melbourne. Like, that's my, I guess, long-term vision for the place where it can be not only a place to, to develop new talent and train new talent and DMDU has a home there, but I want it to be Karakuen or Shinjuku Face, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's, that, that's what I want. Shinkiba First Ring. Shinkiba First Ring, yeah. That, that's what... Shin, <laughs> the, the lights that we've uh, organised for 3011 is... And the, the overall layout is largely based on Shinkiba. That's amazing. Is there... Um... Obviously, I've never seen the venue. I've seen sketches and you know and things like that. But like, what's the sort of layout like? Because when you go to Shinkiba, like as you come in, it's like full warehouse district, middle of fucking nowhere. You have to go out of your way. Fish market three doors down. Exactly. Five hundred meter walk from the nearest. But you come in and there'll be like a food truck, and then there's like some tables and all the rest of the selling gimmicks, and then there's a dude with an esky just before you go through the door that you can buy a couple of strong zeros from or like a beer. Usually fucking. It's usually fucking Numazawa. I think it. I think it was actually, uh, and then you you straight through, you know, into the venue when it's like two rows and you're on the ring kind of thing. What sort of size are we looking at for for your venue and and how's that gonna sort of lay out? Take me through it a little bit. I've eyeballed a lot of it. I yeah. haven't gotten in there with a tape measure. Sure, yet. of course. So it's it's not as big as Shinkeeper, but it's not far off it. Yeah. Okay. Um. So. 
bleachers here are a lot different to bleachers in Japan. The amount of building permits and stuff you need to do tiered seating. Also, we're all fucking difficult. huge. I, I, I sit anywhere in Japan. I'm like, I'm the biggest fucking person in the world. I don't yeah, know yeah, how yeah, they yeah. all fit in. And I'm like, I come in like, and it's winter and I've got like 20 coats and they take up a seat. Japanese people stroll in negative eight degrees with a light coat on and take up no room at all. I don't understand it. The most pain I've ever been in in my life is getting out of getting off one of the Karakuen Hall uh, bleachers. Yes, one of the benches after the New Year's. You got to get the orange seats. You got to get the orange seats. Oh, the 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 bleachers were good because it was great view. But after six hours, I couldn't feel my feet. I I tell you this: we've uh, we've like applied to get tickets to Sakura Genesis in April at Raya Goku because we've gone back to Japan. And I tell you what, I didn't fuck around with any of that ringside seating, cross-legged on the pillows. As much as I want to set one on fire and throw it in the ring, I'm going the comfy seats up in the balcony because I cannot be cross-legged for like four to five hours. No, I'd, I'd sit with my knees to my chest. Yeah. Um, but there's lots of different things I want to do with the arena. Like I take a lot of inspiration for the H2O Centre. Of course. Um, and, and the way that they've kind of dressed that up. So our, our space is maybe oh, 10 or 20% bigger than the H2O building. Oh, really? Idea. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, H2O run a bigger ring than us, so yeah. there's obviously less room around said ring. So that, that's kind of the vibe that we'll go for. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the overall layout, I have ideas in my head, but once we, I'm not going to know exactly how it's going to play out until I build the ring yeah. and go, right, I have that much room that side, that much room that side. Lights have to go up there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um but, like, there's there's little things I want to do, you know, like, similar to what H2O have done, like, a proper hardcore Hall of Fame in Australia. And, yeah. You know, do, do we then, you know, take the, the, like you said, like the Shinkiba line, how the giving tables are outside. Do we... Save yourself some space. I, I suppose the... I love talking this shit. I love Have the walkway come past, you know, the Hall of Fame and yeah. all the photos and stuff like that. Sure. Um, and then, you know, who's responsible for, for who who is in the Hall of Fame and all that kind of stuff because... Yeah. You know, uh, if anyone knows anything about me, I, I love tipping my cap to history yeah. and um, trying to, to put over and, and give the flowers to the people who came before, even me. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah, so there's, a, there's still a lot to, to thrash out. So PD2 will be, the venue will be in as good shape as I can get it in, in, mm-hmm. you know, six days. Yeah. Um, and then... The anniversary show on the 5th, it should be relatively polished mm-hmm. by then. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm sure like a project like this will always sort of be evolving and changing and that's just the nature of it, you know, as you, as you 100%. as things change and as you find better ways to do things and you're like, oh, if we move that, we can actually get X more space and, you know, and, ju- and just establishing it. But I can't wait to see what you guys do with it. I can't wait to see what it looks like on camera and I can't wait to come to it in person because it's going to be... Unbelievable. I'm very excited. Very, very excited. Exactly. Um, what? So Poor Decisions is when? In a couple of weeks? Uh, what is it? 29th of February. So it's a week from Sunday. Holy fuck. Okay. So that's cool. So that means I probably, well, depending on how it works, I may get to see it when I come to Melbourne. I've got two trips to Melbourne coming up. One for like... 24 hours for a concert but then after japan you and i were talking about this 
Billy Corgan, that fucking psycho with like um, two months notice, just announces a tour of Australia in the most random places of all time. I wake up to an announcement that's like, the Smashing Pumpkins are touring Australia and they're playing in a castle in Ballarat and they're bringing the NWA. And I was like, buy tickets. <laughs> and then I was like, now how do I get there? And so we land back from Japan and then immediately get on a plane to Melbourne and then catch a train out to Ballarat to go to this thing. Yeah, Ballarat's like an hour from the city, okay. so it's not too bad. Not too bad? Uh, no, and uh, after that conversation, I did find the appropriate people to send my resume through to, so hopefully I can <laughs> say I've wrestled for the NWA. That would be but amazing. It would be. I would be pretty chuffed. Again, that's one of those unrealistic goals to take off the list, Yeah, to say that I wrestled for the NWA. But, yeah, it's uh, this year's shaping up to already be fucking bonkers. <laughs> Well, we can we can only hope, but I'll be there for a couple of days then, and hopefully there's an opportunity, even if there isn't a show, to get past three eleven and see it. That oh, would be that would be so cool to to catch it in real life. But um, no matter what, I'm excited for my friends to you know manifest that dream and and see it play out. So let's yeah. as we we wrap this up because I know you've got to pack, you've got to get on a plane, you need to come here, and we can talk in person over if I can be a anyway so yes. why don't you tell me about how the this show happened how dude where's my ring happened because everyone assumes that all of these things end up being my fault they do assume the time, that and to be right. fair uh, you did tell me fault. about it but it wasn't your plan i kind of got a message from you like expect a message about something and yeah, i was like that's mysterious <laughs> and then it happened yeah. and here we are yeah um so I wanted to come over to Perth to see mum because mum's getting a little bit older and, you know, her health isn't the greatest. So I want to make it the, uh, the most of the time we've got. Of course. And I had a weekend off because with the aforementioned 15 promotions here in Melbourne, uh, I've been pretty lucky to fill up my, uh, my schedule pretty hectically. So, so th- this was like the last weekend off until I think the end of April. Yeah, right. I'm on every weekend thereafter. Jesus. Um, so many death matches. Um, it's what you've wanted. You asked for it. It is. I did 50 death matches last year. Oh my God. Yeah. That's like nearly one a week for an entire year. Yeah. But some of them were like five and four days kind of thing. And then I'd have a week off somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. How many did John do? Because we're, you know, he's coming. It was 130 odd matches. Most of which were death matches. eh? Yeah. I think about 80%. And I mean, he's obviously... In America, and it's a little bit easier. But 50 for you is pretty crazy. And before we actually get into this story, let's just talk about as well that you went from being, I guess, a relative unknown and somebody who wanted to start a deathmatch promotion here in Australia to, like, you were just, like, in PWI, right? <laughs> it's uh, And highly they, rated. They were within reach when we started this interview, but I don't know where they've gone. Um, my shorts have that written on them in quite large numbers. Yeah. What, what uh, number were you again? 213. 213 out of 500, Six. the PW500 of wrestlers in the world, 213, an Australian deathmatch wrestler who had never wrestled in Australia, um, I mean, in America until last year. That's I fucking unbelievable, talking, man. I was talking to someone who got ranked very highly in the PWI 500. Yeah. But I was spending time with, because uh, it came out while I was in the US. Of course. Well, that would, that said, would have been my book, actually. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I said, I don't think I'm going to be in this year. I said, look, I, I submitted and I've had a decent year, but I don't think I'll be in. And he turned to me and he went, what do you mean? I said, I'd be really surprised if you're not in this year. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, 
oh, I guess I'll keep my hopes up. And I get a message going 2.13. I was like, sorry, what? Excuse me? Not debuting at 500, debuting at over. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a plus 500 average. I mean, like, yeah. it, it, it's just, again, one of those un, unrealistic goals. When I first PWI yeah. 500, I read, I think might have been 2002, 2003. Sure. And then as a young budding talent, I went, it's a career highlight, you know, like an unrealistic goal. Me is this short, fat little man from Australia going, I want to be in the PWI 500. To then finally get there, get there a decent number, um, blew me away. Absolutely flew me. And I feel like um, deathmatch wrestlers haven't really been featured like in that as prominently as they were in this last year. I feel like like you guys were everywhere, like all over it this year, you know? It's all it's all come off the back of the pandemic because there was sure. that kind of six yep. months in, in kind of twenty twenty, you know, beginning of twenty twenty one where Deathmatch Wrestling was kind of holding the scene together yeah. as a whole. You because- mean where you guys carried wrestling on your back when it almost died? <laughs> but that's what I mean. It was yeah. because we our product is disposition to to run i guess at an advantage outside mm-hmm. so it was easy to run deathmatch shows and, and uh deathmatch companies were kind of uh, had that leg up in terms of experience and running in these different kind of scenarios and different areas and different arenas and um situations to be able to i guess capitalize on that and, and that's why you know nick gage ends up on AEW television and that's why you know some of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the world now have contracts and yeah, like I think there was a couple of deathmatch wrestlers that got rated really highly in the last couple of PWIs. Like I think Alex was a couple of numbers different to me, but I know there was like deathmatch wrestlers up until like the sixties and fifties. Yeah. In the PWI, like I'd have to go back and look at it. The magazine's buried in a drawer over there somewhere. But yeah, of course I bought a physical copy because yeah, you got you got to. <laughs> yeah, right. I get to show my kids something. Yeah. Hey, look, Dad was cool for six months. Um, <laughs> Flash in the pan. <laughs> let's hope not um but yeah it's uh it, that was one of those surreal un- unrealistic goals i had when i was a kid that i was able to tick off and, and I'm incredibly humbled by yeah that's cool i'm glad i remembered that before we went before we started the wrap-up stretch i was like oh fuck i gotta talk to you about the pwi so yeah so anyway Everybody always assumes that you're the evil one coming up with this stuff, but but this one wasn't you. You were involved because you were reached out on, and when we're obviously mutual friends, but yeah. So I was coming over to see mum, and I hooked up with a promotion that has now gone on hiatus um, through Michelle. Yes. Kay Hasluck, who's obviously fellow Indigenous Australian, and we've been good mates for 15 odd years now. Was in the last stream tournament as well and very good friends with Vixen. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, Shelly and my relationship go back well, well, well before that. Oh, really? Um, our, yeah, our, our uh, shared heritage. When we both started, there wasn't a lot of black belts around. I can, I can so, understand So we, yeah, we all kind of bond yeah. together. Yeah. I think the first time I met Michelle was maybe 2006. Because like, um, she actually lived in Melbourne for a time. Yeah. But um, I was coming over and I knew Michelle was the, I guess, on-screen commissioner for STW um, and had mentioned my name to the office a couple of times because um, I saw they were pushing the envelope a little bit with their content and I like to travel around. I like to see this great big land of ours. Um, 
hadn't been to Perth for a while, I wanted an excuse to come see mum. So, or, you know, try and at least get, make back some of my airfare because <laughs> you guys live on another fucking planet. It's cheaper to fly to New Zealand. Um, <laughs> so I hit Shelly up and said, hey, can you get me on this STW show? Like, I've got a weekend free. I'd like to come over. Um, let's do some good business and I can see mum. And she's like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll sort it out. We, we had a conversation, um, patted the loper, as it were, sharpened the pencil, and it, it was uh, all set in stone. And I said to Michelle, because she mentioned that, you know, like death matches in Perth are, are, are non sequitur. Uh, I don't think glass has ever been used at a wrestling match in Western Australia. Um, but I do know, like, talent like The Pulse. Uh, EPW for a long time had the best hardcore scene in Australia. Um you know, like, there, there is hardcore roots in Perth, but no one had really kind of taken the plunge and gone all in. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if you want a hand, I'm going to be there anyway. If you want to do it, this is probably not a terrible time. And she's like, give me a couple of days. I said, all right. She's like, let me sleep on it. I was like, okay, cool. And I didn't hear from her for a couple of days. And I went, oh, okay, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's a big undertaking and it's a lot of stress and I wouldn't wish the uh, the mental pain I go through yeah. on anybody um, and then comes back to me and goes oh yeah cool so we've got like these six buildings to pick from and these are the wrestlers who are interested and these are the dates and this is a potential card and, and I'm marking it this way and we're going to do this we're going to get these many people but it just comes back to me with a complete game plan I was like you did this in a night? yeah you wanted to sleep on it. When did you get any fucking sleep? Um, and off to the races we went. And she's like, I'll just kind of survey the land to see who's kind of interested in this. Obviously knowing that Perth can tend to be a little bit monopolised when it comes to pro wrestling. Um, there, there's not too many games in town and you want to make sure you don't upset the ones that are. Um, because everyone needs to work and everyone needs to get fed. And then I'm watching the group chat. And the names that just start dropping in. Bink, 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 Bink. Yeah. Felix Young, awesome. I know he's a deathmatch guy. James Harden is cool. I know he's a deathmatch guy. Jared Slade, all right, that's interesting, but cool. I, I know he can get a little crazy when he wants to. Hayden Zenith, whoa, he's a really good technical wrestler. What are you doing here? Yeah, I was shocked when I saw Hayden drop in. <laughs> yeah, you know, with amazing international uh, credibility, Kicks a Hill, wow, you're a really good character wrestler. What are you doing here? You, this is not your scene, Mushroom. Um... Aaron O'Malley, holy fuck, I didn't even know he was back in the country. Same. I was like, he's um, back? <laughs> just bang, 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 bang. And other names that kind of, uh, if there's a second one, will probably pop up. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, they're keen and then they're unavailable and stuff like that. But names are only fucking, all right, really? Okay, cool. Um, and it was around that time where I said to Michelle, I said, have you spoken to Rafe? And she said, no. I said, well, hit him up because this is, his scene and he's going to be a valuable player to, uh, to this whole thing. Very kind. And that's, and, that, and that's when you guys started linking up. But it's different and different is good. Mm-hmm. Like, like change, change is scary, don't get me wrong. But, you know, ECW was shit on in the beginning because it was so different to, you know, and it, it irreparably changed pro wrestling and so many of the tropes we see now, you know, watching Lucha Libre in America was so kind of ass backwards and different, but you know, that's like, I guess the, the more prominent style you see on television. It's a uh, watered down version of Lucha Libre. Like it's something different. 
in, in you know the uh, a scene that other people have called stale. I don't think Perth is stale. I think Perth has you know the best credentials and fundamentals anywhere in the country. But there's not a ton of variety. Everyone's doing good family pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to get a little bit crazy. And Shelly is probably the most nutty person I know. Um, <laughs> she's great. And, I'm, and I mean that with all the intended love. Mm-hmm. But she's bonkers. So being able to, to go, all right, well, I'm going to put that hat on mm-hmm. and take the plunge and go all in on something like this. And to have it before the doors have opened to already be a success on a number of different levels. As long as we don't all go out there and completely shit the bed on Sunday, um, I think it could be called a success on, on, on a number of different columns. But it's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty, again, fantastic and surreal to um, even just have the opportunity to be a part of it. And I know that, you know, there's a, uh, there's a shopping trolley full of wrestlers here in Melbourne who want to do the next one if there is a next one. Yeah. That's, see, that's unbelievable. And I can tell you, like, as somebody that lives here in Perth, and I mean, I've told you this before, and there's a reason why I became a Deathmatch Down Under supporter and I met yourself and so because none of the stuff I wanted to see was here, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, I do, I do like the wrestling that we have. I've been to New Horizon shows. I've been to EPW shows. Like, I've had fun, but they're fucking in the sticks, man. Like, you know, it's Perth, Perth is, like, really spread out, but 90% of the time it's, like, in Balcata or, like, Coburn or these, like, opposite ends of the freeway and stuff. I live in the city. I live a block away from Badlands. Like, I can yep. walk walk there from my house. Oh, well, and- this is convenient. I'm standing, staying, like, four blocks away from Badlands. Oh, well, that's going to work out really convenient for when we have beers tomorrow night, but <laughs> <laughs> when we're stumbling home at 4 a.m. before I go to work. But, like... um. But that's the thing, and like nobody, EPW had a brief like kind of dalliance at the Aberdeen Hotel where they used to do like sort of a regular show like in their beer garden, and I used to go to those and really like it, but at the end of the day, it was just all too far away, and again, it comes back to that shit like like the Cass Vice documentary, you know, No Ring Shows, New Fear City, Deathmatch Down Under, things like that. I'm like, surely there's a way that this stuff can happen, and then you message me, and then like Michelle's like, what bands would you think? And blah, blah, blah. You know, you guys knew that I had been in the band scene. You are new people and credit to Shahil as well. Like King knows people as well and is in the scene actively now where I, I'm a little bit out of it. But like we, we put our heads together and shot out some uh, messages to friends and pulled in a, a couple of great bands. And I just think all of it is going to come together like some pretty awesome. And like all my friends and like people can be pretty fucking apathetic in purpose. People are like, I am coming to this thing. I'm not going to miss it. And I know there's friends of mine that haven't even bought tickets yet, and I know the numbers we've sold. So I, I think it's going to be awesome, and there's the potential for it to become like a more regular thing and build something here. And that's absolutely crazy to be on the ground floor of, man. Like I'm, I'm so grateful to be involved with it and already – like you've seen the amount of podcasts I've put out. I've podcasted with every single person on this show except for Jared Slate and the referees. And we're gonna yeah. do we're gonna do those after. And I was trying to fit Slate in. We were talking about it. My entire system's fucked. Uh, you and I doing this old school, but uh, like, like I'm just so excited to create something here. Like, if I if I lived in Melbourne, I'd I'd be with you guys all the time. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be helping out. I'd be coming to shows and stuff. But that's not an option. So it's like, if we can create something here. Then it's like then my Melbourne friends can come over all the all the time. Maybe there's 
you know, money and it's worthwhile and there can be talent exchanges and, and we can do stuff, you know? Like, and that's where I'm at with the whole thing. Like, Australia has an amazing professional wrestling scene. We really do. We'd have now north of 50 promotions, probably north of 500 wrestlers if we sat there and fucking counted them all. Um, at least 300, at least. Um, I genuinely think the number's probably closer to five. But... Like, it, yeah, it's feasible to bring in somebody, you know, like there, there are companies in Australia that fly in very, very random internationals, random internationals. Yeah. Um, certain companies who show remain nameless because they're good friends and I love them, but they book people and I genuinely have to go, who the fuck is that? <laughs> um, as someone who is more than a casual follower of professional wrestling, um, I do not know who that person is. Oh, they're they're, spend, they're spending money on these people as well. You know? We're so fucking isolated. It costs a lot of coin to get people here. But, it, you know, you can put together a loop and you can make it financially viable. Having, with the, with the deathmatch scene, having more companies, even if they are just running on a small scale, if they can run in the black... And I guess even if they're not, if they're happy doing what they're doing and they're not hemorrhaging money and they're not making bad business decisions, to be able to have somebody like a John Wayne Murdoch come here for two or three weeks and be able to make the money that sustains them for two or three weeks here to, to justify leaving their families and, and leaving their, their, you know, bookings in the US to be able to come to Australia and we can be that territory again where someone can come and smash out six or seven shows in two and a half weeks and then fuck off. Yeah, like that's incredible, and, and you know, have, having shows in you know New South Wales and Perth and Victoria are, are kind of all, all a part of that, and then you know, hopefully, you know, I, I would love to see you know Queensland pick up. I don't think Canberra ever will, but you know, weirder things have happened. Uh, I would love Adelaide to pick up. Adelaide's a great city for that kind of stuff. Tasmania is custom built for that. You have an entire fucking arts festival, two of them that are custom built for deathmatch wrestling, um, like it only benefits the scene as a whole. Yeah. Because what happens is when these people come here and they have an amazing time, and we've seen this in the past, they go home and they do not shut up about how good the territory is. Here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the emails start flooding in mm-hmm. and the office start flooding in. And it means that, you know, the exchange of ideas and people, Australia, a lot of talent leave Australia to get noticed. We kind of have to. Mm-hmm. Being able to build the house here is just as important. Like, if you go overseas and you do start to make a name, I do think you have a little bit of an obligation once you come back to try and, you know, sprinkle some of the glitter around, if there is glitter to be sprinkled. Because we we, we have an entire, you know, ecosystem and infrastructure of pro wrestling here at home. Absolutely. You're 100% correct. And I think really the sky's the limit of like where it can go you know like we we saw what was possible with the icw tour you know why why is it not possible to do even look at the bigger houses and and the different companies i mean just building a house here at home we had jushin liger come to australia and have his second last match here do you know what i mean like we, we had jushin liger come to australia well obviously new japan have set up you know very yeah. very deep roots here. that that's Tamashi, that's super exciting. Um, you know, we had progress tour here. We've got ICW tour here. Um, there, I know for a fact that there are like, the NWA is coming. Um, 
we we are a viable territory, but we need to look after our own first. Yeah. Instead of just being a cash camel for the for the this international is, companies who want to come yeah. here. We, we we need to build. Uh, well, like what you guys have done with on IWTV with Deathmatch Down Under and stuff. There's no reason that other companies in Australia can't do that too. You know, and then and, the entire country becomes. And then. You know, getting the local audiences behind us as well. There's yeah. no reason why we can't draw a 1,200 people to a all-Australian show or, yeah. or a mostly all-Australian show. Do you know what I mean? Like, go back to those numbers that were, were achievable in the 70s. And sure. Late 60s, early 70s. Like, I would love to see that again. Like, we had that period of growth in, in Melbourne and Sydney through 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was similar to that. And, you know, we were all drawing regularly before the pandemic, you know, 700 people. Mm-hmm. It's a big house. And then obviously, thank you to the pandemic, that all went away. But yeah. there's no reason we can't get there again. We just have to, you know, if we're, we're going away and getting our flowers internationally, come back and spread them around, spread the seeds around mm-hmm. so that people and their attention and, you know, there are people who are from Australia who have never seen a Deathmatch show but know and message me about ICW stuff. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, you know, there's like a show in Melbourne and a show in Perth and a show in New South Wales, right? Really? Yes. Like, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I, again, I assume it's the same in the music industry, but it's just hopefully over, over the next coming years that we start to, I guess, develop that central structure of, of looking after our own house and yeah. becoming that territory again. And yeah. And not, not having to, like, seek, I guess, validation through America to get there, you know, because it is, it is a bit of that. And to be honest, I, I kind of took that approach myself with my podcast. I knew if anybody in Australia was going to take me seriously and I was going to start to get anywhere, I had to establish have myself Americans in America first, podcast, yeah. which is literally what I did, you know. And I've, pro- I've probably <laughs> interviewed more Australians in these last two weeks than I have in like 130 episodes because it's now like like a relevant thing, you know. Like mm-hmm. that that's sort of the nature of how Australia works, but it would be amazing to be the scene that people are referencing because there's stories being told here. There's like, you know, moments being seen. There's, you know pushing the envelope and doing cool things. Exactly. Yeah. So, so awesome. on, on the surface, the, this uh, Dude Wears My Ring is a lot of fun and a lot of hard work, but if it goes well and it goes really well, it could be, you know, patient zero for something very, very special. Or, or patient one or two, I guess, because I mean, I guess DMDU is patience here. <laughs> oh, I'm, ta- I'm talking about the whole west of the country. Oh, yeah, you, well, well you, that absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You, you have three or four major cities over there that seldom get professional wrestling as it is, let alone in in that format. And, yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. if if the companies there are, are very well established, have very deep roots. If someone can can do a show like this and do it well, what's stopping somebody else who has another idea? Yeah, and something crazy. And again, they might go hypothetically the more blood sport route, the more sport professional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if they can find a market for it, and they work hard and do all the right things and promote well, and then that draws a good house. And then there's another subgenre of professional wrestling available to you in Western Australia. Mm-hmm. And then someone decides to go up to Broome and run a show because I think that's probably the only like major city that hasn't had a show yet. There, I think Alice Springs hasn't had wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But someone goes, hey, I reckon we can make this work in Broome. Sick. Well, let's go and fucking do it. Mm-hmm. And it grows and it grows and it grows. So when I'm fucking worm food, hopefully we have a thriving scene in this country. Yeah. You can turn a, you turn around on your dying day and look back and go, yo, fucking I played a part in expanding wrestling across the country, which is pretty yeah. amazing. I mean, but we're all playing that part, you know, and there's yeah. even people who, who are wrapping up or have wrapped up and then kind of come back in and everyone's like, oh, they don't know who I am. So people know who you are because we, the people who are still around and the people coming in, tell everyone who you are. Yeah. Our history is very, very important, but we, we don't know where we're going until we know where we've been, but we need to know where we're fucking going. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, man. It's kind of crazy. Like you and I actually had a conversation pretty similar to this after that last show, like on the ICW tour, like about everybody playing their part and stuff. And it's pretty crazy, like uh, all the puzzle pieces that sort of come together to create the fucking weird timeline we're in, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the friends that meet and the context and, and stuff like that, like the, yeah, it, it's it's pretty crazy. So I, I, for one, cannot wait like to just produce something fucking amazing on Sunday. Um, what can what can you tell everybody to expect? I mean, you you maybe can't speak to everybody on the card because there's going to be a lot of different matches. But I know uh, you are. I, I love the var- I love the variety of, of this show. To be honest, because it is just this show would be fucking sick if there was a ring in the middle. Mm-hmm. The fact that we don't have a ring, like it's just another opportunity for us to get creative. Mm-hmm. But it is a proper independent wrestling variety show you have your incredible technical wrestling with you know multiple nations of experience that promo was ridiculous by aaron o'malley today (laughs) right but years and years of studying that craft you have people who have amazing comedic timing and incredible storytelling and character depth Mm -hmm. who are going to go and showcase that in an unfiltered atmosphere for the first time i've heard of some of the things that they want to do i'm going to be floor side because I cannot wait to see on the it. floor of a bar like after a hardcore band these motherfuckers are doing some Mount Evers like whatever it's called Count of Monte Cristo three rounds well, not even like, that. it's going to be crazy I'm talking about Michelle and King oh like, I don't know what they're planning but it's going to be I've heard they're a gonna be couple crazy. of things and I'm going to be fucking floor side mm-hmm. um, and, and then you've got us in the main event and we have no governor above us. We have unfiltered deathmatch. A lot of, a lot of glass. All, all of the deathmatch classics that to you and me are not standard fodder because it fucking hurts. But, you know, like the, the greatest hits of deathmatch wrestling. Sure. But all of this stuff has not been seen in Western Australia before. I remember the first time I saw light chips pop in person. I was in Corrigan Hall and I freaked the fuck out. Same. Like... <laughs> It was like, what was your show? We'll we'll continue with this story, but real quick, what was your first? Was your first death match in a Corcoran Hall as well? No, so like I'd seen the local ones here, obviously, but um, a lot of the death matches here didn't use light tubes; they were all barbed wire and beds and nails and stuff like that. Because you were at like the Mad Dog match and stuff like that. I was Carnage and and all that kind of stuff, and had done stuff. And I mean, like fucked around the backyard with light tubes, but when you fuck around the backyard, it's different. And when you see them. On that massive scale, it was the 3rd of January Big Japan show mm-hmm. in K-Hall, and I'm pretty sure it was Takeda versus Sukamoto wow. for the Big Japan belt wow. during, like, Takeda's Reign of Terror. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, and that was good. Mm-hmm. That was a great show, top to bottom. That was the show that made me refall in love with Big Japan again. Um, and again, one of those unrealistic goals, but that that goal is slowly moving its way over the realistic side. Um, but yeah, like if you've never seen a light tube in person before or gusset plates or even just the moves that come with deathmatch wrestling, mm-hmm. because I'm pretty sure no one throws headbutts in Western Australia the way that we do here. <laughs> You're entirely too interested in headbutts for my liking. I got to tell they're you so much fun because there's something so genuine and visceral about them. Yeah, they're terrifying. Cause uh, well, I said that, where was I the other day? I was up in Bright. I was at a brewery with my wife and I said, like I heard a kid fall over from like four rows of chairs away. And I went, no matter where you are, you always know the sound of a child's head hitting concrete. <laughs> you do. Because uh, you hear the kid fall over and then you hear the thud and you're like, wait for it, wait for it. All right, there's the crying. Um, because that kid just ain't shit. Yeah. But it, it's the same with the headbutts, to be honest. And, you know, things like skewers and gusset plates and barbed wire like there's all something so relatable about what we do in deathmatch because you know whether you meant to or not everyone's got the wrong end of a barbecue skewer or come across on a barbed wire fence or clashed heads with somebody so being able to to showcase that in an artistic form which is why i like headbutts um is a lot of fun but i'm very excited to to do the four-way bar fight and um Jared Slate's a big, tough man. He is. And he scares the bejesus out of me. Mm-hmm. I've only wrestled him once, um, and it was a horrifying experience. <laughs> it, was about, it was about 12 years ago. He beat the shit out of me. Um, but I'm going to headbutt him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was telling Michelle that one of my favorite EPW moments was her and Jared Slate. She's like talking shit or whatever in a match. I don't remember what it was, but she turns around and he just big boots her in the face so brutally and the entire place I'm, just went silent. It was, I'm very, very aware of that boot. <laughs> it was amazing. I was in and the I'm house. I'm going to do everything I can not be on the fucking receiving end of it, eh? <laughs> yeah, because he's going to be trying to uh, put it in your face, I imagine. Yeah, look, I'd say so. Mm. But we'll manage. You're a wily veteran. You'll figure it out. Oh, it's not me I'm worried about. It's my partner. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about, about James Hartness. East London ultraviolence, darling. So he's, yeah. he's, a, he's, a, he's a great dude. This is something he's wanted to do for a long time, but he all his attempts at it have been thwarted. So some people would say maybe the weak link in the team because he doesn't have the experience, but I know how much he wants it. How did you what he Jack? What he lacks, are, lacks in, I guess on-field experience he makes up for in utter insanity. Um, He was originally meant to be on the first DMDU shows in 2020. Yes. Uh, He was meant to wrestle Guido, and then the world shut down while he was here. He was lucky to make it back to Perth. Um, And then, again, when he was meant to come over for one of the Ballarat shows, uh, I think it was the first Ballarat show, him and I were meant to have a scrap. Mm -hmm. And same thing again, the hard water went up. Uh, excuse me. He he would have been able to make it in, but he wouldn't have been able to make it home. Yeah. So that got thwarted again. But his passion, his way of thinking, his, his lineal process, and the chronological order of chaos and violence that he puts 
for every idea that he's come up with and, and the strategy that we've kind of put together for Sunday is, is hauntingly beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I'm very, very excited. Super excited, yeah. to be honest. I, I, th- I think he's. I think he's going to do brilliantly, and I wish Perth wasn't so fucking far away, so all these boys could come and wrestle for me all the time. Yeah, yeah. I I can't wait to see what he can achieve. I know it's something he's wanted to do for a long time. I met him in the very venue that we're going to be <laughs> being on Sunday. Ran into oh, him, leave it, leaving the tunnies. He's like, "Oh, you're from Faces and Fields." Like, I was think I was wearing a big Japan hoodie or whatever. It's like I'm a deathmatch wrestler, <laughs> or at least I want to be. And we were like chatting about it and stuff. And then I got the opportunity to work with him on the WrestleBrainia quiz. You know, he's on the he's the captain of the heel team and I'm the judge. And his comedic timing and, like, the bullshit he was coming up with and, like, the in-jokes that he and I were throwing in about death match wrestling as well, where he, he turned around to me at one point. They they play a thing where they mash up, you know, themes and you, you the team needs to guess who they were. And obviously I don't want the heel team to be doing too well. I'm the, I'm the judge. I want the face team with Rove McManus to win. And they played the songs, and the last song was Wild Thing, and they were like, and Wild Thing, John Moxley's theme. And I'm like, well, that's actually negative 200 points because you got the theme wrong. It's actually Onita's theme from FMW, so you need to get that fucking right. <laughs> and like, I'm like, Deathmatch, uh, FMW legend. And then one guy's popping up, he's going, who the fuck's FMW? And, and Hartnett just turns around and looks at me, and he goes, you know nobody knows what you're talking about, right? And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it got us where we needed to be and then he got super kicked and uh, Rove McManus put somebody in a figure four leg lock so it was great Rove McManus is the best figure four in the country anyone who thinks otherwise doesn't know what they're talking about he killed it it was so awesome but yeah so it, it was just super fun to work with him and, and I know how much he wants it so for him to team with you and then seeing the pulse I saw them accidentally in a death match like against I think it's the purge at STW when I thought purge it was just going to yeah, a, yeah. yeah to a, like a family friendly match and then Felix has got skewers in his head and shit and it was it was pretty amazing that's what I mean I, I know these boys have chops I mean Felix came over here and had a incredibly gross match with Callum Butcher mm-hmm. um for the DMDU death match title um, Which show slates. was that on? Because it was the second Geelong show, right? Okay then, yeah, right. Because yeah, we, uh, we have a habit of opening the Geelong shows with gross death matches. That's all right, but I, I guess I didn't like when I watched that. I didn't clock it because I I didn't know who Felix was. Like I I just didn't mm-hmm. even I didn't even tweak it. So I'll need to go back and like watch it with sort of new eyes. Um, to, yeah, to take in his he work, goes you know? incredibly hard. Amazing. Um, and Slate's been out of his mind since the the day he started in wrestling. So I'm, I'm, I'm very wary of what I'm walking into, but I'm very excited. Yeah. Um, it, it's a it's a new challenge for me, so I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely can't wait. Uh, it's going to be killer, man. It's going to be absolutely killer. So tell the people where to find all the Joel Bateman things. Uh, so they can support you in every way. And then uh, all you motherfuckers need to get down to this show and see a true Australian deathmatch legend uh, bleeding all over the floor of Badlands. Man, I'm not. I'm only in my 30s. What's going to happen if I'm still going in my 50s? You're going to have to come up with a new term. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I'm, I don't know. Mega legend? I don't know. What do you do? <laughs> yeah, see, it doesn't work. It's not no. the same. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm, I'm using it too well, early then. Australian hero. How about that? <laughs> deathmatch hero. Um, I don't have Twitter anymore. I got banned. Fuck you, Elon Musk. I noticed. Um, I was trying to. Uh, I was trying to tag you in something the other day, and you were gone. I was like, oh, banned. 
Uh, no, no warning, no nothing. Uh, having blood on my profile picture. There's so many um, people have blood on their profile picture. Yeah, but I got flagged and now I'm pinned. So no more Twitter for Jolly. No. Um, I can still see stuff on Twitter. Like I've got the DMDU account so I can go and lurk on the things I need to lurk on. But yeah, okay. I mostly, I mostly just read Fessol, if we're being honest. Um, <laughs> which is fucking great if you haven't done it already. Um, if, if anyone takes anything away from this podcast, come to the show on Sunday and read Fessol on Twitter. Um, but... I'm on Instagram at the smash underscore hit. I'm on Facebook at the smash hit Joel Bateman. Um, I am bad with merchandise. I'm very busy. <laughs> so getting to the post office is not at the top of my list, sadly. Um, but if you would like to support me, t-shirts, eight by tens, all that kind of stuff, please send me a DM or wrestler merch based out of Australia. Do amazing, amazing work and take very good care of us. Australian professional wrestlers, again, helping us get to that all important point of being able to living off this. Mm-hmm. So you get my t-shirts and wrestler merch. They get the most updated designs first. Explosion Apparel in the UK do great business as well. And then obviously Deathmatch Worldwide in the United States. So wherever you live, if you'd like a T-shirt, and I don't just slap words on T-shirts. I actually put a good amount of effort into my designs and pay artists and, and you know, like you do a bit of market research. And all this shit costs time and money. So my T-shirts are good, I promise. 100%. So if you'd like to buy one, any of the aforementioned vendors are all tremendous people. I try not to work with cunts. Um, so um, patronise their stores, pick up a shirt of mine and some of your other favourite deathmatch wrestlers. Uh, it goes a long way to making sure that I still have beer in my fridge and a roof over my head. There we go. That is lovely. I can tell you the shirts are awesome. My wife was wearing your Zazawa design today at work. Uh, which is awesome. That's also inappropriate. Yeah. 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 It's fine. What, what are you going to do? She's only like the manager of a store and a regional assistant. Um, and then uh, craft beer and death matches has always been a big favourite of mine. And there's a split one with Alex Cologne. There's heaps of stuff. So get in there, support Jolly. It's going to be awesome. And if you are in Perth, you know what? Even if you're on the other side of the country and you want to get on a plane like a madman, and come over. There'll be plenty of room. We'll make room for you. If you've got fifteen hundred dollars that you don't really need, a spare fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> Your boy's doing you. that in a couple of weeks before he goes to Japan, just because they bought my Chemical Romance tickets two years ago, and we decided we didn't want to sell them. So we're flying over for twenty four hours. My plane lands, and I go to work half an hour later. So hopefully, no yep. delays. But I'm a psycho, so that's it. Also, if you have frequent fly points, that helps. Uh, Amex, I've got, give me. I've, a, got, I've got some. You would have a few now. Amex, give me yeah, a free flight you. every year, and uh, I'll be cashing those in on that one. So that's gonna be awesome. <laughs> that's gonna be awesome. All right. So I'm gonna let Joel get out of here. He's got a pack and he's get his shit together. And he everything to I was gonna come. do tonight is out the window. I'm gonna go to bed. I have <laughs> fucked it all for him. Do you have to work tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I don't know that. what time. I don't know what time it is, but I start working. I'm going to assume about six hours. So. Well, it's 8.35 my time, so I don't know what that does for you. 11.30? Oh, it's late. Yes, I start working. Oh, homie, hours, I'm very so. sorry. Well, it's going oh, to be sorry, worth it when sure. we sell 100 more tickets because of this interview because he's a oh, draw, I get to brother. sleep in tomorrow. Um, oh, I get to sleep in when I get to Perth. So there I, you go. Um, I'm very happy about that. Fact. It's all going to work out. So everything is going to be fine. Everybody support Deathmatch Down Under support the smash hit Joel Bateman and come to Dude Where's My Ring and then watch out for it on YouTube when we get our shit together and put it 
up. You may even hear some familiar voices on it. It's going to be a great time. Everybody out there, remember, it's all about peace, love, and fucking deathmatch wrestling. Yo, thanks for spending your time listening to the Faces and Feels podcast. Faces and Feels is a DIY project recorded and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Faces Feelscast, or just head straight to our link tree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot double E slash Faces Feelscast to find all the info you'll ever need about the show. You can stream the episodes, be directed to your favourite podcast providers, find links to all our social media platforms and sponsors, and you can even buy me a coffee. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or interview requests, you can send us an email to facesandfeels at gmail.com and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Spotify. A banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. My body is a roadmap of pain. Oh! Deathmatchworldwide.com the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G-Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch Wrestling promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Vinyls and Violence a brand celebrating a love of music and deathmatch wrestling. Follow on Instagram at Vinyls and Violence. Follow on Twitter at Legalized Ranch, and that's Ranch with two H's. And buy the shirts from deathmatchworldwide.com. Vinyls and Violence. I'm pretty sure it's like some weirdo shit like Pokemon or something. Let me stop you right there. I just need to holler at everybody and tell them about NordVPN. This service has been a bit of a game changer for me, man. Not only are they one of the first services, you know, to believe in me and to believe in this podcast, which is pretty amazing, but it's also been great to like pick up my internet access and throw it around the world. I've been able to access all the streaming services. I've been able to check out different shopping sites. It's keeping me safe and sound on the internet and protecting all of my important data. It's been pretty damn awesome. So if you want to give it a chance for yourself, if you want to try it out, if you want to get amongst the glory that is NordVPN, just go to nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan and at one additional month for free. Uh, it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, which is pretty sweet. So yeah, nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels. Now let's get back to the interview. <laughs>